I know who I am in Christ. I am a new creation, I am a friend of God, and I am washed, sanctified, and justified. I could go on and on because my identity is in Christ. And because I have my identity in Him, I know there are also many things which I possess. John 17, 13 tells me I have joy. It says, But now I come to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy made full in themselves. I don't know if you have ever eavesdropped or not. Socially speaking, it's not really acceptable to do so, but we've probably all done it a time or two. And here's the thing. You always learn something when you eavesdrop. This week, our verse gives us the opportunity to listen in on a prayer that Jesus prayed. And as we do, we will certainly learn much. Maybe as you looked John 17, 13, our verse for this week up in your Bible, you realized that Jesus said these words as a part of the prayer he prayed just a very short time before he was arrested to be crucified. Some have called this the high priestly prayer because it is so full of intercession meaning Jesus interceding to the Father on behalf of believers. As we listen in and eavesdrop in on this prayer, it's easy to see that Jesus deeply cares for those who follow him. As we already noted, Jesus is very close to being arrested and crucified when he prays this prayer. He knows that horrible time is coming, and yet his prayer is all about us and not about himself. I find that so inspiring. Because as I face struggles and challenges, if anyone were to eavesdrop in on my prayers, they're usually all about me and my needs and my battles and my concerns. But as usual, Jesus shows us a better way. Jesus knew that his very life was caught up in God himself and in God's purpose for him on the earth. His prayer reflects that intimate relationship that he had with God. God had sent him to minister to his people, and now he's pouring out his heart to God on their behalf. His prayer reflects his deep care and love for his followers. He prays so many things for those who follow after him in this prayer. In verse 2, he prays that God would give them eternal life. In verse 3, that they would know God. In verse 11, that they would be kept in God's name. In verse 11 also, that they would be one, even as Jesus and God are one. In verse 13, our verse for the week, that they would have his joy made full in themselves. In verse 15, that they would be kept from the evil one. In verse 17, that they would be sanctified in the truth. In verse 23, that they would be perfected in unity. In verse 24, that they would be with him in glory. In verse 26, that they would have God's love within them. When we take the time to list all this out from this prayer, We can really see how much Jesus cares for us, how much he wants us to to know the fullness of God's blessings. I thought it important to share all of those prayers as we start so that we can get the context of where our verse this week comes from. See, amidst all of these other blessings that Jesus is praying for us, our verse this week really focuses in on the joy that we're given in Christ. One of the great blessings of God is joy. And it's obvious from this prayer that Jesus desires for us to have it, along with a whole host of other spiritual blessings as well. Well, what is joy? The Greek word for joy in this passage is C-H-A-R-A, and it means gladness. Now, it's different from happiness because it's a gladness that comes from within. Happiness tends to focus on 
outward circumstances on something happening or not happening. Joy is much deeper. In fact, I believe joy is divine. We can see that just by listening into this prayer of Jesus. Again, his circumstances of the day certainly did not warrant a gladness. Absolutely not. And yet, as we listen in on his words, his prayer for us is that we may have the same joy too. He's speaking of the joy that he has in spite of everything going on. He prays that they may have my joy made full in themselves. This tells us that that Jesus still had his joy even as he faced the cross. That clearly indicates that the joy he possesses and the joy he gives to us is not based on what is happening or not happening around us. It's based on what has already happened in us. We can truly have a gladness that comes from God himself when we know that our lives are wrapped up in him. See, I personally personally believe this gladness comes from a knowing of who God is and a knowing that we belong to him, a knowing that all things are from him and through him and to him, as it says in Romans eleven thirty six. As I listen in on this prayer of Jesus in John 17, one of the things that I learn about Jesus is that he knew this truth, the truth that all things are from him and through him and to him. He knew that through and through. He continually refers to his oneness with God in this prayer and his understanding of how his own life was caught up in the life of God. They were truly one. And here's the thing. He prays that for us also. I believe that knowing was the root of his joy. And I believe that knowing can be the root of our joy too. Maybe today you have some really serious things going on in your life. You may be thinking, well, what do I have to be glad about? Believe me, these last few months have been really challenging for me too. But when we think like that, what we're doing is isolating our trial or isolating our circumstances and setting them apart from God. However, when I consider the example of Christ and I listen in on his prayer, I'm inspired because I see that Jesus saw his trial through the eyes of his relationship with God. God gave him the perspective of what his crucifixion was all about. It was about saving people. That's why he can still have a fullness of joy even as he faces the cross. That's why he can see this whole event in light of eternity, in light of God's perspective. That's why his prayer can be about others about, instead of about himself. He had a fullness of joy as he faced the cross. That, that's incredible to me. None of us will ever face anything as horrific as the cross. No matter what we're facing today, it doesn't compare to what Jesus was facing that day. So listening in on his prayer gives us the power to realize we can take hold of the divine joy that he is praying for us to have no matter what's going on. And let's make sure we listen carefully because he doesn't just pray for us to have joy. He prays for us to have a fullness of joy. It makes me think of the time that Jesus sat with the woman at the well in John chapter 4. He was talking to a Samaritan woman who had not known happiness in a long time. And she surely hadn't known joy. She was one miserable person. In fact, she didn't even come to the well early in the morning at the cool of the day with the others, probably because of their sneers and their comments toward her. She would rather suffer the midday heat 
than deal with the painful stabs which relating to others seemed to constantly bring her way. But when Jesus met her that day, things began to change. In the conversation that Jesus has with this woman, Jesus tells her that all who drink of the water from, from this well that they're sitting by, well, they're going to get thirsty again. But he told her that for those who drink of the living water that he can give, it will become in them a well of water springing up to eternal life. It's a, it's a fullness that doesn't quit. Well, as we eavesdrop in on this conversation that Jesus had with her, we see a new joy spring up in her soul. Over the years, I imagine you've probably been able to eavesdrop in others' lives with the privilege of being able to see this fullness of joy flowing out of them, this divine joy that you just marvel at. I'm certain you've seen many in the Bible itself, but I imagine you've also seen this fullness of joy in others that you live with and do life with every day. I know that I've personally been able to see people live with the fullness of joy in the midst of some very trying living. I think of a man named John who lost his wife in a tragic accident, but joy still filled his soul. I will never forget the worship time at her funeral, watching John raise his hands to Jesus, singing at the top of his lungs about the faithfulness of God as tears streamed down his face. I think of my friend Barb who struggles with MS, but the joy of God is always on her face and in her words and her actions. I think of a man I know named Dave who is working through the trials of a brain tumor but is pressed in deeper than ever to the joy that only Jesus brings. These people and so many more have allowed me to eavesdrop into their lives and see a fullness of joy that can only come having their lives wrapped up in the Lord God himself. I believe joy can only come as we hide our lives in him. As we become one with the Lord in our thinking, in the stirrings of our hearts and where we fix our eyes. Oh, it's very easy to fix our eyes on the problem, the struggle, the hurt, the disappointment, or the pain. Very, very easy indeed. I've also eavesdropped in on people's lives who've done just that. But how much better to fix our eyes on the one who rules the universe and has promised us eternal love to us resting in him and knowing his goodness on our behalf is always flowing even if we don't understand the immediate moments i'm sure that if jesus had focused on the details of his coming crucifixion he could have had himself in a tither the joy just draining right out of him but instead he fixed his eyes heavenward as i think of jesus and i think of so many i've personally seen living with a fullness of joy the following passage from hebrews comes to mind says, therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We find that in Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Now, I mention this scripture because I believe we need to take in the clear message of our verse this week. Even though Jesus desires for us to have a fullness of joy and he gives it to us to possess, we can allow that joy to drain right away. Think about why would Jesus pray for us to have a fullness of joy? Probably because he knows that we often settle for just a little bit of it. Or maybe not at all. See, if we get entangled in sin, we can allow Satan 
to take our joy away. At another time in Scripture, in, in the book of John, Jesus made it very clear that Satan is a thief. And I personally know from experience one of his favorite things to steal is our joy. In fact, in John 17, 15, in the midst of this prayer we're looking at with our verse this week, right after Jesus prays for us to have a fullness of joy, he prays for us to be kept from the evil one. Are you hearing the heart of Jesus? He so wants us to know his joy. He so wants our joy to be protected and full, to experience what he has with the Father. He doesn't want our joy to be lacking in any way. And see, I believe as we follow his example and we hide ourselves in him, making ourselves one with God, joining in the life of God, fixing our eyes on God, remembering that all things are from him and through him and to him, we will actually grab hold of this joy he's given and actually live with a fullness that he prays about. So as we memorize this week, let's just bring it down to this. If someone were eavesdropping in on our prayers lately, would they come away with a knowing that we live with a divine fullness of joy? Jesus prayed for us to have it. In Christ, we possess joy. No matter what our moment holds today, his desire is for us to live with joy to the full.